Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> That's as much Christmas as you're going to get out of this episode, but <laughs> we'll acknowledge that it is Christmas week. Um, I'm probably a little more festive than the two of you, <laughs> but... That's why I said Merry Christmas. I'm like, we need to at least acknowledge the season. Oh, <laughs> I love Christmas. Yeah. I love the lights. Well, you like snow as and well. And I do like snow. Which we don't usually have here in central Pennsylvania at Christmas, but. They're predicting snowstorms. Oh, boy. Who's for they? Christmas. The Farmer's Almanac? The You go on the YouTube and they predict the weather out. On a YouTube? Yeah. And so there's like <laughs> about three different guys all predicting snow for the Northeast over Christmas. All right. We'll see if the we'll YouTube prophets right. are true. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, I also wanted to mention, uh, well, one, I'm a little nasal today. I'm getting over sickness, but... Uh, Mama Melody came in today and she said, look at my shirt, guys. And she, her shirt says, be kind. And what she was saying. And she's sitting right across from me. So I'm feeling. It's a billboard just for you. It's a reminder. It's a reminder how valuable I am. I said, I said, are we always kind? And she's like, no, be kind to me. <laughs> so. All of you who have been like, stop picking on her. Actually, I did it for all the people who said <laughs> they were so hard on Mama Melody, yeah. you know. And I'm like, I can handle yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I said this last episode, I think, or maybe two before, but I'm her son and I have a right <laughs> to do this. Right. A right because of, like she even admits it, you know, you know, she did some things that maybe caused me some issues. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and so. That's true. I did a lot of repenting, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. So not, not a little sarcasm is not going to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the freer you are and the more you know God loves you, you can handle a lot of so stuff. So your soul is not being crushed. My soul is no. Just, just Actually, for all the fun. listeners to hear that. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I saw this big t-shirt with the be kind and went, oh, this is funny. I'm going to wear that today. So I, you, th I thought this funny. isn't subliminal messaging that's happening? No. I just thought it was funny and you guys don't think I'm funny. So I was doing something funny. It was entertaining. Was it? Did you guys think was it was it? funny? After you explained it. No. <laughs> oh, I had to explain my joke. <laughs> yeah, I was like, aren't we aren't we always kind? I feel like that's kind of our MO is to be valuing to people. <laughs> the only joke that you don't like is the age joke. Age? Yeah, like an, age. Don't call you old. old. Yeah. I remember one time I said, let's start with our elder. Oh, oh, and and you're, you're like, like, well, you didn't have to call me elder, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So that's the off-limit one. But oh, is it? she talks about her age and wrinkles and yeah. stuff all the time. Yeah. If you joke about it, then you it removes all the sensitivity. And hey, I'm not looking in a mirror, so I don't even see it. <laughs> it's just when I look in a mirror that I become very aware. Now, no one can see this because it's only audio. We have no video. But as we're doing this bantering, mom is still glancing at her notes. <laughs> Ready like, to go. Let's get Ready started. Go. Like, all right. Eventually, they're going to stop doing this and get to the point. She's doing it right now. She's looking. I have nothing else 
fun to say. It's like, Let's... I even forget the first question. Hey, what's our first question? We're getting off topic. I'll tell here. you, don't worry. You could tell I'm a very focused person. <laughs> All right, let's let's get down to business. What you've been waiting for. <laughs> so our first question today is, what are some effective ways to promote or facilitate change? Well, before we start that, I just want to know how you guys viewed this question. I viewed it from the standpoint as a leader, how do we facilitate, how do we promote change with those that we lead? Did you guys see it in a different way? I think sometimes we get questions and they're they're pretty broad. And so mm-hmm. I just like jot down some notes of where my brain went first. But I just kind of thought, well, I'll follow wherever you guys go. Well, and if we hit multiple angles, angles, yeah. I think we might hit the target then. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. How Whoever did, how did you view this question, mom? Probably more internal processing of mm-hmm. how I internally process change. And then from that, because if I first internally process it, then I have a greater ability to facilitate it or lead it. Because mm-hmm. so it happened first inside of you me. You have to be the change to institute change. Yeah. And you have to really have a conviction and believe that the change is for good. Mm-hmm. So you have to process through that for yourself to the point that you recognize... I'm not the blind leading the blind or the fearful leading the fearful, Mm -hmm. but I've processed through it enough that I am convinced that the change is going to produce good Mm -hmm. for everyone. Yeah. So let's just go from the aspect of you're the one that's facilitating change with those that you lead. So the first thing that I think that you need to do if you're going to promote or facilitate change with those that you lead is that you have to have effective and persuasive communication. Mm -hmm. So if you want people to follow your direction, you can't just tell people what needs to change, but why it needs to change. Mm -hmm. So to be honest, you really have to flesh those things out before you even communicate it because a lot of times when you communicate change, there's going to be healthy pushback. Mm-hmm. Well, why are we doing this? It worked for 27 years or like I like how we've been doing it. So if you're going to lead change, you have to be able to communicate why this needs to change. And if you don't have that fleshed out within yourself, guess what? You're going to be frustrated because when when you do get that pushback, then there's almost a frustration within you. Well, I don't necessarily know why. I don't like what's happening, but I, I, I can't really articulate why something needs to change. Now, if you've ever had a conversation like with a young person, let's say a kid, and you told them something, and there are some kids that are going to be like, why? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Why? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Why? And to be honest, I think just because someone isn't a kid anymore, I think most people think that way. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's actually even just healthy to ask why, like yeah. to mm-hmm. just not take whatever you're told. And that's why I said when you want to promote or facilitate change, you have to have the why. Yeah. I don't want to say down pat, or you have to have the reasons why you want this to change, not uh, what needs to change, but why it needs to change. And that can help promote and facilitate change with those that you lead. Yeah, exactly. Because if we try to impose change on someone, people are usually resistant to that. Uh 
if change begins in me, it's a whole lot easier. But if it begins in you and you want to change yeah. and you're imposing that change on me, I have a little bit more processing to go through. So when you can give the why behind the change, that helps a person understand. Yeah, there's very few people that like change. And I think the few people that do like change are the ones that are instituting it. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Which meaning <laughs> no one really likes it unless it's their idea. <laughs> or they like, that's why you need to... Un uh, articulate why because you can say hey there's a better future mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. uh, this could be a uh, of great reward if we do this yeah and so that's why we need to be able to explain the why and when you can explain the why what's going to happen is people have more buy-in mm -hmm. and hopefully if you are able to effectively articulate your point of view well, then people have a chance to collaborate or yeah. even take ownership of that change. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that you need to do if, if you're going to facilitate or promote change with people that you lead, you first have to communicate. And then the next one is hopefully uh, get people to collaborate with you. Yeah. And so you have to remember that if you're working with a team, it's not just about you, but it's about every one of us together. Right, so right. we can pull from people's talents. We can pull from people's perspectives. And so one of the best motivations for people to em embrace change is if they take ownership of it. Being a leader, one thing that I, it always cracked me up, but I could be saying something for several times or maybe over a, a period of a year or two. And it's always funny because people will come and say, you know what? I had this great idea. <laughs> You had this great, I've been talking, I've been encouraging <laughs> you, but it they don't have the motivation for it until they actually take ownership yeah, of it. Yeah. And they, not in a negative way, but they see it as their idea. Mm -hmm. And so if we're That going, shows you've been doing a good job of leading because you've been communicating yeah. it and it's been sowing seeds. So what you've been communicating and displaying has truly impacted them enough that now it's rising inside of them. Because you're not changing for change sake. There's mm. a vision, there's a purpose, there's advancement, there's increase. You know, you're doing something that's good for the whole. And, and that's pretty Another powerful. thing that I thought of when you were talking, I was thinking, you know, some changes have to happen quickly, but I would think most changes, mm -hmm are going to be a process. Yeah. So if you're going to promote change, if you're going to uh, facilitate change with peop the people that you lead, you have to give some space yeah. and some time yeah. for them to process. If we want people to partner with us and collaborate with us, we have to give some level of space for them to catch the vision. It makes me think of when like some of these, like a major app platform they'll warn you like a year in advance, like, hey, this change is coming. You can either adjust now or you can wait until then. And how many of us... Wait like, to the very last And then they're like, hey, it changed. How dare they? And we're like, well, they've been sending us a monthly email for the last 12 months. <laughs> but but we, we resist that to say like space. But I think in that space, it's like there is like a, almost a... Uh, shepherding in that process of being mm. like, hey, this. Remember how how are you feeling with this? Like a follow follow up with those in the team or those going to be implementing the change on a greater scale. Be like, 
just keep bringing it up. Not like mm-hmm. just one time and then, you know, bam, everything's different. Is that not what you were yeah, talking that, about? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Actually, because when you said that, Katie, I'm thinking every time I get something like that, I just delete it. Yeah, yeah. I Without don't even, even want to deal with yeah. it. <laughs> I look, I'm like, is anything going to blow up? Are they going to charge me? Is it like, no, okay, I'll deal with it later. Most of those are, uh, your payment will increase yeah. <laughs> on 11, 27. Yeah. But I know like even with change that I, like I have implemented typically in a, in a team or, you know, in a company, you got some kind of hierarchy of leadership. And yeah. so often when that change starts at the top, it's that middle level leadership that is usually responsible to implement to the lower level. Yeah, And I just, I see how often that middle level so much goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Either it's the the top doesn't shepherd that well to where they really can um, take ownership to where they have buy-in, where they have say. Um, and then it, it just, it all breaks down. And then you get down to the lower level and they don't understand. And it, they're, everybody's complaining and frustrated. And the higher and, level, they're just looking at from a spreadsheet. Yeah. And like the middle level is like where it actually happens. So there's yeah. sometimes a disconnect from... Hey, this would look good on our spreadsheet, but in reality, it just doesn't work because they don't have a clue the what, inner it work, takes. Yeah, what it actually takes to implement that. Yeah. And so I think that like level of buy-in is so, so, so important because when you are pitching a vision or pitching change, mm-hmm. like um, for me, and it's, it's going to be different in everybody's situation but um explaining that to that next level of leadership but then like i say i'm like i need your feedback yes, in there this. you go because to me i have it mapped out in my head but you're the one actually doing, doing the it. functions of the work so until you tell me or tell us what this is actually looking like it's it's going to be a rocky road until we can work together in implementation. So I I think that level of buy-in is just so paramount when we're talking about leading and change. We can be in situations. I remember years ago when you first started, Katie, and I said, oh, I I would really like this because I'm a visionary. I'd really like this. And you go, okay, do you know how long that takes? And I said, no. And you told me, I went, Oh my goodness, you know? And so I think that's so important what you just said, Katie, because a lot of times we can have vision and we know the the goal or the objective that we want, but we do not realize the price that people have to pay to get us there because we're not the one doing that specific thing. Yeah. Oh, Katie, develop me a web page. Can you do it by tomorrow? Or something like that. Well, I have no clue what it takes to build a web page. And so in all those processes, recognizing we might not in us know all the needed things to be able to facilitate uh, the end goal of making it look like what we can see. But those in our team, they carry the abilities to do that. And yeah. and I think that's one way you get buy-in is, and in a sense, this is what we do, not just on life exchange, but in how we function as a team. We come together and we say, okay, there's transition, there's change, there's things we need to start looking at differently, but we 
all come together in that conversation. We might have different ideas of it, but it's not just Stephen or me or one of you just saying this is the way it is and everybody follow. It's no, let's all bring what we have to the table and see how we can do this together. I've seen in the church where a leader is more of a visionary person and they'll wake up from a dream and say, this is what we have to do right now. <laughs> I saw a vision. I saw a vision. And and it could very well be from the Lord, mm-hmm. but a lot of times they don't understand the practical nature of right. it. And so if if we can if we're working with people, we have to partner together. Yes. Um, and so as a leader that is more visionary, you have to give space for people to see how this functions in the real world, on the opposite end, you can't be so practical that you just shut down every vision because you can't see the practical way of doing it. Life exchange. Yeah. And really valuing, you know, other people's skills, their abilities, their perspectives, their ideas, you know, the investment that they have made to this point. If you're in a team, you're in this together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I, I struggle with this. And there are hierarchies, and that's not a negative thing uh, if it's done in value and honor and all those things. But if you have a hierarchical leader that says, this is what we're doing, and they're not taking into the account what someone else has to do to pay that price. And if you have a really super strong visionary leader, they usually don't have one vision. They've got 20 going at the exact same time and expecting everybody else to do the work of it. And I've seen a lot of uh, division in relationships. I've seen a lot of angry people. I've seen a lot of frustrated people when they are trying to fulfill the expectation of a leader that maybe changes his his or her vision every Daily. couple months. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and that they carry a great skill, but if they don't recognize how they communicate that vision for change, they could really um sabotage ultimately the vision that they want to fulfill. That was really a great seg- segue to my next point. Oh, what's that? which is you have to commit to change. Mm. I think that's a really big fatal blow to instituting change is, and I've, I've been guilty of this myself. Like as leaders, you want to institute change, but when it gets difficult, and guess what? Change is difficult. Yes. So once it gets difficult, you're like, ah, maybe that wasn't such a good idea and we're just ready to hop ship. And so people can't buy in. Or if they have a, if you have a history of that, People are going to be like, well, in three months, we'll be back to what we were always doing. So if you want to promote and facilitate change within people that you lead, you have to be willing to commit to the change. And with with a lot of people that are visionary, change can be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, oh, is change, change yeah. is awesome to the person that wants to bring change. Mm-hmm. And so change can be exciting, but to facilitate or be the the vision carrier of change it takes perseverance it takes character to press in and remain committed to that change and so if we are going to be a leader we have to get past that difficulty of when 
when it gets hard, that we're still casting the vision, that we're still remembering the why and Mm -hmm. explaining the why of what we're doing and be the example of change, not just say, hey, we need to change this, but actually be the example of it. So you're saying instead of expecting everyone else to fulfill your vision, you're partnering with them Mm -hmm. to fulfill that vision and you're remaining committed even when other ideas and other visions and other things you want to change come in. People can only handle so many changes at one time. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think it's very important as a leader to really think about how my decisions are affecting other Mm -hmm. people and help them process through because if it didn't begin in them, they have to process through the why and get that buy-in so that they can stay committed. So they need to see that commitment in you as a leader. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the more people that you have buy-in, the more you can effectively mm-hmm. make that change even mm-hmm. more quickly because mm-hmm. like, it can be really easy to just revert back. Yeah. So we all have this vision, we have a change, we have a goal, we have an objective, and then you just kind of get into the routine of things and you end up, back, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just reverting back to the old habits. So I think the more people that you have that buy-in who, who can see the, the objective, the more you can be like, Hey, remember the target. Let's, we're going somewhere. We, we want, you know, we're not going backwards. So, because like, I've just seen that even in my own life, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a great vision. It's an ultimate goal, but to actually work change, you have to actually work at changing <laughs> and actually make make systematic steps towards that. Otherwise, you just end up back in your default pattern because a habit is that's called a habit for a reason. You are habitually leaning on a previous way of doing or thinking or idea. So it does take an active um, consistency of moving towards whatever the new objective is. And that new objective, that change, it might mean, mm, I might have to develop a new skill. So I get in this. Things. I mean, yes, it mean learning new big, things. And, yeah. and so I'm facing the challenges of, wow, I've never done this before. I'm not real secure yet. I haven't developed. And you so know. when it, when you hit that rough part of like, I'm still, mm-hmm. I'm learning and I'm not mm-hmm. good at this, that you don't just jump ship and go, mm-hmm. well, it was a fun idea, but it's just not practical. Mm-hmm. Well, is it not practical or are you just not, are you just in the, the uncomfortable stage of change? Going back to what you said, Joel, the commitment to it. And that's mm-hmm. not just the leader. It's every person yeah. on the journey with them. I think it is important to kind of flesh things out before it's a wide scale. Yeah, definitely. Yes. So I guess it depends on how big your team is. Yeah. So if you have a larger team, you want to work with those that are closer to your position. Yeah. You you flesh it out with them, and then they. So it it's kind of, change should always be for a better future. Yes. So it's going back to where do we want to go? Uh, what what things can we tweak so that we can get to where our target is? But instead of just coming in as, hey, this is we're we're making this uh, this change and this it's this wide scale thing. It might just be better to get input before 
you know, you mm-hmm. cast the vision. And actually, in, input can be really good for understanding the why as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, owning that change can be awkward, like, most yeah. often is awkward. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I even think about, like, these massive companies. Like, think of iPhone. Do you know how much has to go into a new iPhone release before it hits yeah. the public? And then they've had duds. Yeah. It hits the public. It didn't go well. Like mm-hmm. something that even did have all of this infrastructure behind it. Yeah. Once it goes into the mainstream, mm-hmm. sometimes it just doesn't work out. And then that's when everybody speaks up. They say, hey, we got to improve this area. This area needs some some fine tuning. And so change is going to be awkward in some things that you actually don't know how it's all going to flesh out. So having that, that yes, like top down mm. development of this is the goal. This is where we want to go. This is the, this is, we've narrowed it down to, we think that this is the best strategy to push this through. Yeah. And then as it goes through to the next level, it's going to get even better. They're going to say, Yes on this, no on this. We got to work this part out until eventually when it's seeped into the hole, you hopefully have an even better product or better change than when it started. Yeah, it reminds me of, I forget when it was, maybe it was the 80s or the early 90s where Coca-Cola wanted to change their recipe. I'm sure the leadership team and the the hierarchy or the the leaders at Coca-Cola thought it was an amazing idea. But it affected those that now I know it's a business, but it affected those that they served, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you also have to take that into account. Like as a leadership team, you can think this is a wonderful thing, yeah. but yeah. If change is going to be lasting, it also has to work for those that you're serving as well. Yep. Yeah. Great point. That's really good. I just want to add one thing because we've really been talking a lot about organizational and teams and those things. But I think it's important also uh, in family. And I was just thinking of, without giving details, Joel, you made some changes in how you were going to do your kids' education. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you had to be willing to pay a higher price. Your wife had... uh, Take, take on paying a higher price mm-hmm. and your kids had to be the ones to embrace all that change. Yeah. And so everyone was going through that process. And now as everyone has been doing it for a couple mm-hmm. months, ah, now everything, you know, all they're the finding th- their rhythm, they're yeah. finding their rhythm and everyone's, ah, I can see that this was a good decision. And, and, um, and everyone continues just to play their role in that process. But, that was an idea that began inside of you that you had to take. And, and it you- wasn't implemented. I, I think I had that feeling for maybe two, three, four years mm. before it actually happened. And right before we actually did make the change, you know, I would be asking my kids, well, how are you thinking? Um, or how are you feeling about this? And they were still, they weren't resistant to it, but there was still the unknown. Yeah, that's right. And so in change... People might not 
be resistant to it, but there's still an element of fear of how is this going to work out? And so I, I would say over the, I think they've had maybe like six months in this new way of doing education that I was asking them and they're like, yeah, this, this is really good. I like this. I like the freedom that this offers. Um, but before the hand, they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so you can't point a finger at someone say, why can't you buy in? Because, <laughs> yeah, well, they don't know. Yeah. They have, so some people, can catch the vision, but some people just have to experience it mm-hmm. and then get the feedback from that point well, and on. Well, what you did, that was so good because you said, how are you feeling about this? Yeah. Like, it wasn't just like, okay, we've all made the decision. This is happening. We'll just go, like, you were, you checked in with them, like, okay. And, and that's okay that they still had that, like, fear of the unknown. That's mm-hmm. okay. But yeah. they knew that you were still there in that process, which I think is so crucial as a leader implementing change is that they know that you're there, yeah. that you, you've not just dropped this big thing on them and then your hands off. Yeah. And in this, in this context, it is a father and a mother making a decision for their children that in a sense, they didn't really have a say yeah, yeah. <laughs> with it. But we still wanted to lead them effectively into it. Because if you didn't, I think it would have made a bigger mess than what it could have been. And you were serving them. You still are. You you, you Even get though home. they couldn't see it, I right. could see a potential of yes. how this could be really good for them yeah. in mm-hmm. the long run. Well, and two, you might you might leave the church, go home. And then you got a whole other job, you know, you're there for your kids and you're making investments and you're helping them. So you haven't abandoned them in that change. Well, You've I did that before when they were in, in, in their other school as oh, well. That's true. You know, uh, Aiden, I don't have to worry about too much, <laughs> you know, Layla, maybe a little bit check up once in a while, you know, and then Maxwell is, um, He's younger. Yeah. Well, he, <laughs> He's so great. He likes a clear checklist. Well, one thing that really helped with him, and I I would have never imagined this before I instituted this, but he loves schedules. He loves them so much that if you break (laughs) from his schedule, there's going to be a problem. (laughs) And so, like, when I get home, like, like, I had to make it very clear to him, when I get home, I would love to hear about your day, but I need to eat something. I need to decompress for a little bit, and then I would love to hear all of it. Even in that time, I still, hey, dad, hey, dad, 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 dad. You know, so he is Mr. Uh, he communicates a lot. So, and if I don't check his work in the time frame that he has on his schedule, I will hear about it. Um, but someone reminded me that, um, it might be better for him to be hounding you than you hounding him. Yeah. So uh, thank you for uh, that correction, and I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, any more on this question? Well, I mean, we all went from the standpoint of how we can facilitate it. Uh, Did you guys want to add any more about internal, you promoting change internally? I think that would take us another half hour. Yeah. I don't feel like we really need to. All right. Question asker, if that's what you were looking for, write it again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's go to the next one. I hear people say it's the end of the world. How can I remain hopeful if this is true? Can we state the obvious? 
It's been the end of yeah, the I world. Yeah, it's the beginning of the world. Yeah. I think if it's true, we're powerless to change it. I mean, so why fret over something just, you can't change? Is it change? the end of your world or when the world? When people say that, I'm like, it just makes, I'm like, that is so ignorant to say that. I'm like, literally, they've been saying that since the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I think of the, the REM, it's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah. And, and what's the next line? And I'm feeling fine. <laughs> I'm feeling fine. <laughs> I feel like without the rest of the song, I'm like, I feel like that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, yeah, it might be the end, but we're going to be all right. <laughs> so you're not a prepper then. I'm not. I I am not. <laughs> during during uh, the COVID years, um, well, to 2020, I guess, I was like, hey, you know, I think I should buy some seeds. <laughs> And so for Christmas, Katie got me a, a big bag of seeds. I was like, never would I have ever gotten that if, uh, if you wouldn't have asked for it. But And they're still in the bag. <laughs> they will be until the end of time. One thing I do, like I have the seeds, but you have to understand it takes time for them to grow. So if we needed food, that plan uh, needs certain, to be. Certain crops germinate quickly. You're going to fast for a little bit. but Well, you know what? From what I hear, uh, bean sprouts are really yeah, uh, healthy. Days. That would be a better thing to do because it's fast. <laughs> yeah. You'll get them real quick. Yeah, when it comes to all those things, I just um, don't get into any of it personally. Um, if Stephen has some great idea, hey, if you're willing to do it, that's great. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not disparaging. Like, you know, I've got family members that have a stockpile uh and they're thinking when this happens they'll be coming to me <laughs> i've also just seen that stockpile get built up and then they're like eh, i guess we're fine and then they they consume the stockpile and then they rebuild the stock i'm like well if that's the case are we really that worried <laughs> and, and i'm very happy because my grandma was yep. one that bought a lot of food like the prepping food that last 25 and so years when she went into the home where mm -hmm. she's living now um that was donated to me so i, I got a good amount i'm sure you still have some of it I too have some. so yep. um we're good so it, it's still there it's good for another 20 years so it's uh Hey, we can open a can. I mean, it's strawberries and blueberries. It's good stuff. Are you using it now? No. <laughs> I wanted to. And Stephen said, no, don't use it. You know, so. Uh, but. Well, the question is, how can we remain hopeful if oh, this okay. is a reality? So if we're not talking hyperbolically, yeah. if we're saying like things seem dark right now, like if, yeah. if the current reality, the current state of culture seems hopeless. Honestly, my perspective, it's not hopeless. My perspective is when dark gets darker, the light shines brighter and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us and we have to recognize who we are in him. And we are so radically loved by the Father and we get to shine that light wherever we go. So why would we fear the darkness when we carry the light? Well, and really darkness can only get darker when light doesn't shine. There you go. Darkness in itself is just an absence of light. Mm -hmm. So th if the light is shining, if you have that hope-filled perspective, mm -hmm. um, darkness cannot overtake that yeah. unless the light 
decides to turn off, which if we believe in Jesus and mm-hmm. and the hope of you know the resurrection and all that he's done, then that light will supersede. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. will it will, you know, carry on. And I'm not saying that in the sense that uh, putting our heads in the proverbial sand, we're we're aware of things that are happening in the world. We're aware. I mean, injustice is a very big deal to me. Devaluation yeah. of humanity is a very big deal to me. And I do what I know to do. But the, the fact is, if we camp on all that is wrong, it'll literally hinder our joy. It'll hinder the, uh, the quality of life that God's destined us to have. You know, enjoying the relationships we have in our, our life. Now, suddenly all my thoughts are on the negative and the fearful and the destructive, which is harming me. Yeah. And it's harming my relationships. And so uh, you won't remain hopeful. No. If you are focusing on the negative. Right. And my whole attitude is all wrapped up in everything that is wrong rather than focusing on a God who wants to give us solutions and strategies and and just peace. Uh What's so powerful about supernatural peace, it transcends what is in the natural. Yeah. yeah. And that's what faith is about. That's what uh, trusting in the author and the finisher, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And he happened to choose for us to be born at this time in history. He knew we would be right here at this time in the midst of whatever's going on in the world. And he has placed inside of us everything we would ever need uh, that would produce life and godliness. So I don't think it's a matter, it's not putting your head in the sand, but it's not being controlled by all the darkness in the world. It is, it is, it is running to the author and the finisher of your faith. It's saying, okay, how can I be a solution? Because either we're going to live fearful or we're going to live filled with hope. Yeah, You know, we're going to spend our life attacking and judging and condemning and complaining or or being an instrument that can do good. So, And that's why um, Jesus pretty. told his disciples that in him that they would have peace. Yeah. yeah. And so the question is, you know, I've heard that the world is ending, right? <laughs> How do I remain hopeful? And and I really try not to be snarky. Maybe I need to try harder. <laughs> but my thought is, have you heard of the gospel? Mm-hmm. The gospel is the good news. John 14, 25 through 28. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I'm leaving you with a gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Yeah. Are you guys seeing this? A gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I've told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. This is the Christian hope. And the assurance that we have of this hope is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So how do we remain hopeful in this time and season? 
it is connecting with the gift of the Holy yes. Spirit. Yes. Yeah. And I would go as far to say that one of the key characteristics of a believer is actually hope. Mm-hmm. Hope is a confident expectation of what is promised. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So as we are trans... Um, in that verse, it talks about we we don't we don't see fully, right? Mm-hmm. We're looking into a mirror that is mm-hmm. dim. But I believe that as we are transformed into the image of Christ, yes, what's going to happen? Faith will grow, hope will grow, love will grow. So how do we remain hopeful? Well, we have to remain in Him. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope. Now listen to this. How do we remain hopeful? Are you a believer? Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we remain hopeful Mm -hmm. in whatever time we live in? It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. So good. So good. Yeah, so often um, believers can have that like worldview of like, Yes, Jesus did it for us. And then it'll be good again when Jesus comes again. Mm -hmm. So it's like that their eyes are set on the return of Jesus. Well, even that alone is still hopeful. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know that there are issues that can come up if it's just so in the future. Like biding my time until then. But that still is a hope that we have as believers, right? Even though we believe that... We can have it here and now, yeah. but it's still, that's that's a confident expectation that we have as believers. Yeah, yeah. But, and then also like that process. That yeah. He said, it's actually better if I go away because you'll have the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. it's that part that's like, it's actually better now. <laughs> like yeah. it's actually good now. He actually, he said, occupy until he comes. Yeah, he said, he said, you know, work the kingdom, build the kingdom now. Yeah. And I think that perspective just, it changes your now. It changes your, your value of the time that we have on earth instead of, um, turning a blind eye or instead of just waiting until then, uh, the gift that we have that is, now that we get to actually um we get to actually preach the gospel that we actually get to grow the kingdom we get to work we get to work his fields um so there's so much eschatological <laughs> views that could be pulled in here um but to me it's it is that hope for the future that hope for mm-hmm. what's to come but the hope that we have now that is so present um, in our day-to-day living because of the Holy Spirit inside of us, our, our ever-present help in time of need. Yeah, that's good. My, th- I have another thought with this. I, how big is your world? Mm-hmm. Like, I know with mom is valuing all of humanity. <laughs> yeah. I think Be that's kind. awesome. Be, Be kind. kind, right? Be kind. <laughs> She's saying, uh, watch what you're about ready to say, okay? I, I, I hear your tone. I, I, I know what's my coming. T-shirt. Which I think is awesome. But I realize I only have the capacity for so much. I can't fix the world's problems. Correct. 
right? I can only be a good steward of what I have authority over. And for some mm -hmm. people, that's very small, but that's okay. That's Do you steward it well? So good. And so if you have a greater platform, steward that well. Mm -hmm. So how can you remain hopeful? How well are you stewarding the world that's right in front of you? So good. And so if you think bigger than that and worrying about things that are so far out of your control, mm -hmm. you're going to be discouraged. You're going to be hopeless because why? You have no possibility of affecting any change. So it's kind of like the, the negativity when you, when your vision is too large. Um, but well, that's an, that's probably another, <laughs> another, maybe another podcast, but like I said, how well are you stewarding the world that you actually have power to change? Yeah, I love that because I think in my perspective, uh, an eschatology um, that without accountability, that doesn't have accountability, I think is a fractured theology because um, an accountability meaning an account for your ability. Mm -hmm. What do I have right now? What have I been given right now? Am I stewarding that? Um, because if, if, if there's no accountability, then it's just, well, I'm hiding out in fear until the end, or I'm going to take and get what is mine now because, mm -hmm. you know, the end is coming. So if there's not an account, uh, an accountability, an account for my ability of what is in my sphere of influence mm -hmm. of, um, how can I love the people in my life? How can I, um, grow my leadership, all of these, it, these things, if I'm not doing something with that right now, um, I don't know that that is the kingdom of God as it was presented to us in the gospel. I agree. Um, and so for some, that eschatology is just like hunker down until he comes and rescues us. Um, that's not my personal theology because um, I actually think that from the very beginning when he said, be fruitful and multiply, have dominion, um, I actually feel like that was an eternal commissioning, commissioning. He actually wants us to partner with him in, um, in restoring, in, in bringing restoration to all things. And so rather than just waiting for him to wave a magic wand and restore all things, how can I actively be a part in that restoration process um, until that point? In the realm of... What is mine? Exactly. Yes. Because yeah. it will be hopeless if you look at things that are happening that are so far beyond your control. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you can just look at scripture like, you know, um, in Acts where he says, um, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. You can see how it starts with where they are. Yeah. And then as others, as, as, the gospel uh, is expanded in other people, mm -hmm. then eventually it goes to the end of the world. It doesn't necessarily mean one person to the ends of the yeah. earth. It's saying, do what is yours to do. Mm -hmm. And as you do that, it's going to spread. It's going to become contagious until it reaches mm -hmm. the, the nations of the world. So yeah, it's not taking it all on, but but we do have a commissioning to do what is, and that's what's beautiful about being a body, about being a family, is that it's not all on one person. It's for all of us. We all have a part to play. Um, and so 
all I have to do is my part, be accountable for what's in front of me. Yeah, that's really good. And if you feel inadequate or you feel like you don't have the ability to be hopeful in this time, let's go back to that Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope, so he is supplying the hope. He's the source of the hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So you have to partner with the God of hope in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I think that really answers that question. How do I remain hopeful if this is true? As always, connect with God. (laughs) Can we just, uh, we just talked 45 minutes on this. Can we just say... (laughs) Just like anything, it's easier yeah. said than done sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the scripture uh, in First John. It says, there is no fear in love. So what are we in? What are we involved in? What are we listening to? What are we focusing on? What have we allowed into our world? We all have a sphere of influence. What are we allowing to come in? Mm-hmm. So if I'm focusing on, on the negative, that it's a fact. It's out there. If that becomes my focal point, then I'm going to step into fear. So I've stepped out of love. Even if I've stepped out of love, now it's all about me and my us four and no more. You know, the hunkering down, the all those things rather than reaching out and being who God created us to be on planet earth, that living epistle read of all men. And so it says there is no fear in love, but perfect or mature love casts out all fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So that means I've disconnected from my source of love, which is my creator. And now it's what am I going to do to survive? And I'll tell you, if we just look at our own ability, separate from our God, we will get into fear because there's so much beyond our control. There's so much we cannot do. There's so much we cannot fix. So we have to keep our attention in the right direction. And, yeah. and so it's, it's about attention. It's about perspective. It's about the way we view things. And uh, you have done a lot of teaching, Joel, on perspective and the lens through which you see. And I think so many things is just in this question is a perspective question. Yeah. So what has got our attention, once again, has got our direction, right? Yeah. And with that, I do think like if you're struggling with seeing that, I think that memorial stones are uh, really important Mm. to help help you remember and to help you see hope for the future is just looking at what God's done before the, the Bible. Like I love specifically parts of the old Testament where it's just reminders. They're just rehearsing over and over and over again. And even, mm-hmm. um, things like communion and, um, different traditions in, in the faith that are just remembering. They're just remember what he's done because when you do that, it, it like, rekindles that Mm -hmm. hope within you of he did it before. Why wouldn't he do it again? And so I I just think that can be like a a practical way of just looking at milestones. And even like when, when people come to me and they're struggling with something, when you can be that person to say, well, remember this, remember Mm -hmm. this, remember this. And they go, 
yeah, I'd forgotten about that. I do remember now. And it, it just like does something in your heart to kind of restore that hope again to say, well, you're right. He did it then. If he doesn't change, he hasn't changed. So he will do it again. So if you look throughout history, through the darkest times in history, what yeah. God has done, the people that he has risen up, the um, just the incredible hand of God that has always been upon um, humanity, upon his creation. I think if you look at that, it helps you to keep that perspective of he's, he's still on the throne. <laughs> Yeah, and the word says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So I need the medicine (laughs) of hope. I need the medicine of God's perfect love. I need the medicine of all those memorials, those remembrances of all the things that God has already done. If I'm facing something, I go back and I rehearse what he's done so that it keeps hope alive so my heart you know, my my heart is well, yeah. not sick. Yeah, that's good really good. Stuff. So let's do our last question. I think it kind of deals with the previous one. In a sense, yeah. So the question is, what are some ways I can deal with pain? How do I deal with pain? Big question. Yeah, I mean, you could go from the emotional pain or yeah, physical I like, is pain. This, I didn't know if the question was coming from, you know, emotional suffering, I mean, emotional pain. Do we is have any pain experts it? here? Any what? Yeah, well, humans. Any, any, <laughs> any, any physical pain? pain? <laughs> I didn't really take it as physical pain, except that if physical pain like is prolonged, it can create emotional pain. Yeah. But I, I took it as emotional pain, probably because mm-hmm. I always take things from an emotional perspective. But I... My answer for this is don't deny it. Mm-hmm. I think that like as as humans, um, we're so good at protecting ourselves that we will often deny pain until mm-hmm. we can't anymore. Um, so I think just don't deny your pain. Um, we get into a, a lot of uh, residual effects, I think, when we pretend that something hasn't affected us, hasn't hurt us, that we're not carrying pain. Um, and we end up, just getting swallowed by it because you can't actually deny your pain. (laughs) You can just pretend to deny your pain Um, or you can deny it, but you can't just dissolve it by denying it. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, God created us to have feelings um, in order to live fully. And so when we turn off our feelings, um, we can't live fully because he actually designed us to experience those feelings and to live in them. Um, and uh, I was just reading a book. Um, it's called The Voice of the Heart by Chip Dodd. And, you know, it's not the gospel, but I did get some really helpful perspectives from it. But he just talks about the gifts that come from our emotions um, and even the ones that would be seemingly negative, like pain or hurt. Um, if we actually press through them and feel them and, and experience them because we were created to experience them, the gift that we have on the other side of those things or, or through them. And so like with pain, with hurt, um, the, the gift of, and these are my words, not his, but the gift of working through that pain is that you, you experience comfort, you experience healing. 
And so if you deny it, you don't actually ever get to the gift of those feelings. They're there for a reason. You actually don't get to the side of being comforted. Um, the Bible even says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And so I think if you don't take that important step of mourning, um, you don't get to the side of comfort and we all were meant for that. Um, so yeah, I could rabbit trail in this obviously Mm -hmm. for a while, but feeling, feeling, don't deny it. Just, it's actually valuable. You were actually created to feel pain because something inside of you is, um, is broken. Mm -hmm. And so so when we allow ourselves to actually feel that, we actually allow ourselves to walk into the what we were created for in healing. That's really good uh, because really pain is just a symptom of something else. Yeah. And so that if I face that, then I go to a place of I need to understand why. What that pain is revealing something to me. If I go down a rabbit hole, if I have intrusive thoughts, something, there's a reason that I'm feeling that. So like, what is the source? What am I believing? Uh, Is there a lie that I'm believing? Is it triggering something from the past? You know, what fear am I facing? What story am I rehearsing? Or what am I reliving from the past that I brought into the present? Um, You know, is is there a hurt or a wound being agitated? And am, am I rehearsing those stories? And so I think if we can go back and just say, Okay, what's going on? What is this connected to? Because when I can see the why something is there, then that gives me a greater perspective to know how to process through it. If it's just based upon the emotion itself, oh my gosh, that emotion can be there for 20, it's a symptom of 20 different things. I don't know what to deal with. But if I can go back to my why that that's there, what is it triggered inside of me? Then that gives me a starting point to begin to know, you know, what do I pray? You know, what do I focus on? What uh, what truth do I apply to my life? You know, I inquire of the Lord or, okay, I'm facing this. Katie is really good at this part. I'm going to talk to Katie. Or Joel's really good with this, so I'm going to get counsel here or get support there because now I know the source of something, well, not kind of just like the you emotion. You know what medicine to take when you yeah, know Yeah, there you go. Treating. That's a simple way of saying it. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah. I feel like I'm just going to rehash a lot of <laughs> what you guys said. But the question that I want to propose is what is the purpose of pain? Now, I'm not saying finding purpose in pain. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. I'm it's saying what is a what is the purpose of pain? Well, pain is an indicator that mm-hmm. something is wrong or injured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think of your natural body. So pain serves as that alarm system or that warning mm-hmm. designed to prevent either injury mm-hmm. or further injury. Like if I put my hand on the hot stove, pain tells me, remove this now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's there and as don't that, do it again. Yeah. <laughs> or infection, well, because if you don't deal with it, exactly. then your body is saying, hey... This is getting worse. You're, it's getting infected. And so in the natural sense, pain is therefore that self-protection. Yeah. And so when we experience pain, we have to recognize that it's letting us know that something else is going on that we need to address or bring relief to. It's kind of, uh, we kind of deal with similar things like uh, my rib will go out sometimes. Yeah. 
And I can feel when it happens because there's pain, yeah. there's discomfort, there's a burning sensation. And so what stabbed. do I have to do? Oh, my rib is out. Pain has just told me that my rib is out. So what do I do? If it's really bad, I go to the chiropractor. Yeah. <laughs> but if not, I get out the foam roller. You know, I put ice on it. I do heat. I do whatever I can. I stretch to, and sometimes that does alleviate it. But the point is that pain is letting me know that something in my body that I cannot even see, yeah. it needs to be addressed. It needs to either have medication or it needs to be adjusted or it needs uh, an ice pack or whatever it may be. So how does this... You know, I was talking about the physical body. So how does this correlate with emotional pain? Mm -hmm. Like I said before, pain is an indicator that something is out of place, injured, or needs attention. A lot of times we deal with emotional pain very differently. Uh, because like in my body, when I felt my rib go out, I need to address this now. Mm -hmm. Or it's going to get worse. But a lot of times with emotional pain is we'll do... I need to ignore this. Yeah. I need to stuff this. I need to even medicate this. Yeah. And medicating it might make the feeling of it go away, but it doesn't still deal with the reason why it's happening. Yeah. We have to understand with emotional pain that relieving emotional pain may not result in the healing of the damaged area in our life. Right. So we can medicate it. We can push it or stuff it, but that doesn't mean that we're actually fixing it. Right. So how do we deal with pain? Ultimately, we need to seek healing for the source of the pain. Right. And so emotionally, or it could be spiritually, whatever it is, hey, I get it. When you're in pain, that's all you can think about. Yeah. Pain isn't necessarily the problem. I'm not saying that it doesn't, consume your life yeah. because I've had like with my back or and some people have experienced pain like I don't even want to hey I've had gout in my foot okay I know <laughs> what pain is <laughs> even with the gout situation yes I'm experiencing this now but something is out of order in yeah. my body yeah. that I need to address either through diet or whatever it is yeah. so I think the point that I want to make in this question how do we deal with pain we don't deal with, like pain lets us know that something is wrong. Right. So pain is just that indicator. And so when I experience pain, I need to maybe step back and say, what else is going on that might need healing, put back in place, uh, put in correct order, whatever it is. So yeah. that would be maybe the the practical or the maybe the emotionless way of looking at it. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm feeling this pain. Something's <laughs> off. Something's needs to be adjusted and seek after healing, whether it's spiritually, um, from a doctor or yeah. from whatever it is, but seek to remedy the the actual issue and not just medicate the pain. Yeah. And and sometimes the only answer is medication and then we just need a we need a supernatural healing from the Holy Ghost. Yeah. So much more I could say, but <laughs> yeah, but like you said, emotional pain, well, often it goes unchecked. We don't, we either don't recognize it or we just don't want to deal with it. 
like, I mean, like you said, like I have ribs that slip out all the time and Mm -hmm. I am one that will like just let it go until it's really bad. And then I go to the chiropractor and they're like, you're going to have to keep coming back because I've left it go so long that my life, my, my body has actually adjusted to my ribs being in the wrong place. So like the longer pain switching to emotional, like the longer that that pain is there and the longer that your life has just adapted to dealing with pain, then sometimes the longer the adjustment process into healing can be because you've actually just learned to embrace it, which has caused other um, ramifications in your life. So um, I, I just think when when we can stop fearing pain. And I, I will say sometimes, especially like if you've had a history like with um, depression, um, facing pain can be very scary because you think I don't want it to take me back into that place. Um, and so we just kind of like push through it yeah. because we don't want to be swallowed by our pain um, because that can be a real fear of, I don't want to, I don't want my pain to overtake me. And so I will just keep ignoring it. Um, and, and I do think that you can be swallowed up in your pain when, um, well, one, when you don't ever address it and it eventually will just catch up with you. Um, or two is if you are acknowledging the pain, but, um, but, you're there's no way out of it like like you're you're how do I effectively communicate this (laughs) but um you're so focused on the pain it's kind of like um like when you stub your little toe and all of a sudden your whole world is like all I Mm -hmm. can see is my little toe um but there's actually a lot more going on and so when you're in that pain it's like yes this pain is very real but also how, how, what are we doing with it? Um, and I do think a lot of times when you feel like you might be in that place, you can't do this alone. Like I think you've got to um, bring other people in if you feel like you are getting swallowed by your pain um, because just that other person's perspective can be just the catalyst of um, taking that pain from that, that all-encompassing thing to um, actually helpful that you're actually working through and processing your pain to get on the other side of that. So, you know, just bring other people in, let them know where you're at. So are you saying that actually pain can be a good thing? Because there, there are people in that there is something wrong, but they, they don't feel pain. Like even in the natural, that's a problem. Yeah. I think so when you say about facing your pain, that can be a good thing. So actually the fact that you are feeling pain can lead to hopefully a resolution or a, a remedy or a healing. Yeah. Pain in, in pure form is a good thing because mm-hmm. it is that indicator Yeah, that something is off. Like you said earlier. Yeah. yeah. So do you have anything else to say about that mom? Uh, I was thinking of some different things, but that would make the podcast go. Well, how, well, how about this? Well, okay, let me tell you this, because one thing that I think happens is we we take a lot of substitutes. Uh, This pain is difficult, so therefore I will anesthetize it with how I eat or how I would, you know pull back from people and don't allow relationships or put on the mask. And we do a lot of crazy things to try to hide something or anesthetize something. And 
that's where I think some of the things that you were saying were very, very good, Katie, because it's taking the mask off. It's getting rid of the the things that anesthetize us, you know, our comfort things to escape. And just really, it takes a lot of emotional strength to face the times in my life where I feel very emotionally weak. Yeah. And to face it shows strength. It does not show weakness. Yeah. The weakness is when I try to cover it and act like I'm strong. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, Pastor Steve, uh, he always says, I got problems. You got problems. All God's yeah, people true. got problems. <laughs> and I think that's true of pain. Who among us has not experienced that's right. pain? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it's just don't deny it. Um have that courage to uh, look at it because on the other side of that, those who uh, mourn will be comforted. So those who actually have the courage to feel that pain um, will experience the healing that he has for you. He makes, he takes ashes and makes beauty out of them. He gives uh, an oil of joy for mourning. He gives a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Um, so it's, there's always an exchange uh, and whatever we give to him, he will give us better. So um, if I don't run to the throne room of grace, then I won't find grace and help when I need it. And so it is that just offering it up of saying, yes, I've, I'm acknowledging this pain, um, knowing that there is a better uh, exchange for you on the other side of it. So, Like you said earlier, this topic could probably go a lot of different yeah. ways. So if you would like to hear more on pain, yeah. <laughs> uh, just let us know. And and maybe something specific about pain that you would like us to put our two cents in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anytime that we're talking and you're like, well, what about this? Just send us an email with that question, that sub question. Uh, and maybe it's a question about the question yeah. that we answered. Yep. Yeah. Which is and uh, we can revisit some things. Yeah, we would love to do that. So you, we're not all knowing. So, <laughs> oh, uh, gosh. You know. we can we say it in all capital? We are not all knowing. <laughs> we have three minds together on this one, but uh, there's obviously other perspectives, yeah, that, or other angles that you can look at all of these topics. Yeah. So email us your questions at lifeexchangepodcast at gmail and share the podcast, share the little clips that we put out, like them. Yeah. It really does help. Um, and partner with us to get this yeah. truth, get these perspectives. Um, promote life exchange, not just the podcast, but promote oh, yeah. life yeah. exchange. <laughs> That's good. A healthy exchange of life. Yeah. Wherever you're at. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, as our Merry Christmas to us, if you would just uh, go leave us a five-star review, we'd uh, very much appreciate it. And And next podcast, we'll talk about how the Christmas tree is a pagan uh, symbol. (laughs) uh, Um, I think that's our other podcast. (laughs) Oh, our other podcast where we uh, talk about (laughs) hard-hitting... All right. I, sometimes I think when people say that, I was like, you just don't want to buy gifts for your kids. You're a cheapskate. <laughs> Scrooge. <laughs> Which I, well, I've never been called a Scrooge, but my, my family has Grinch. bought me a Grinch cup before. His heart grows in the end. Yes. So. My heart has grown. All right. Merry All right. Christmas, till next everybody. time. 
Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.